Listen up, everybody. On Tuesday, March 19th, 4.15 Eastern Time, that's 1.15 here local in LA, I'll be hosting a webinar to discuss Cambria's two new ETFs, the Cambria Tactical Yield ETF, ticker TYLD, and the Cambria Micro and Small Cap Shareholder Yield ETF, ticker MYLD. Head over to Cambria's Twitter and LinkedIn pages to find the registration link. Once again, that's March 19th at 4.15 Eastern Time. Look forward to seeing you. Carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risk factors, charges, and expenses before investing. This and other information can be found by visiting our website at www.cambryfunds.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing or sending money. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of capital. The Cambry ETFs are distributed by Alps Distributors, Inc., member FINRA, FINRA. Welcome, podcast friends. We're back with volume six of the Best Investment Writing Series. Each year, our team carefully sorts through tons of research and investment letters from some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers from all over the world to pick the best of the best to share with you. We offer the authors of those pieces the chance to record an audio version as a segment of the podcast. Past participants included the likes of Cam Harvey, Larry Swedro, and Rob Arnott. Enough from me. Let's get to our guests and let them take over this special episode. Hi, this is Tim Alcorn, and I'm the Head of Investment Risk, Analytics and Research at Bailey Gifford. Bailey Gifford is a global long-term active asset manager founded in Edinburgh, Scotland in 1908. Our aim is to deliver excellent returns for our clients by identifying and investing in promising transformational growth companies early on and backing them over five to 10 years or more. And in doing so, make a broad contribution to society. To learn more about us, you can find us at baileygifford.com. Before we get to the piece, I'd like to thank Stream by AlphaSense for sponsoring today's episode. That money is being donated to Bailey Gifford's charity of the year, Vocal, Voice of Carers Across Lothian, an organization run for carers, by carers, since 1994. Their support teams work with unpaid carers across Edinburgh and Midlothian to identify a plan of support which can include access to legal advice, counselling services, respite, and training opportunities to help build a society where unpaid carers are not only supported in their role, but also empowered to lead their own lives. As part of our research activities at Bailey Gifford, we're delighted to partner with and learn from fantastic academics and thinkers around the world in developing our approach to long-term investment. I'm going to share with you today a piece titled Lessons from Bessenbinder. This piece reflects on the key lessons we've taken so far in partnering with and supporting the research of Professor Hendrik Bessenbinder. It focuses on the topic of asymmetry in long-term returns and the characteristics of those fantastic few that dominate long-term wealth creation in equities. Hendrik, or Hank Bessenbinder, is a professor of competitive business at Arizona State University. His 2017 paper, Do Stocks Outperform Treasury Bills, revealed that the entire gain in the US stock market since 1926 was attributable to the best performing 3% of listed companies. The paper was the first to provide an academic basis for the long-established investor practice of running your winners. This practice is based on the power of asymmetry in investing, the belief that gains from successful investments can, over time, far outweigh losses from failures. The paper has been downloaded more than 32,000 times and cited in more than 41 further studies. In 2019, in research sponsored by Bailey Gifford entitled Do Global Stocks Outperform US Treasury Bills, 
Hendrik Bessenbinder showed that the skewed nature of stock market returns was even more extreme internationally. About 61% of non-US stocks underperformed treasury bills in the 1990-2018 period, and 1.3% of stocks contributed all of the net gain when compared to the performance of US treasury bills. Following this discovery, the next step was to sift through vast volumes of company data over a much longer time frame to discover the common characteristics of those big winners. The professor's work looked at the wealth creation of companies over 10-year periods. As the data covers many decades, some companies were measured multiple times over their lifetimes. This research revealed surprising things about successful companies, insights that make these companies easier to spot and to hold over time. There are three key lessons that I'd like to summarize here. To focus on growth, to expect drawdowns, and to beware biases. So lesson one is to focus on growth. Investing in research and development while still achieving superior growth in returns, scale, and profitability is a key characteristic of winning companies. Firms succeed or fail for myriad reasons, but this appears to be a must-have. Professor Bessenbinder's new research into successful firms stems from his discovery of how, over a longer time frame, very few companies have made a big difference. Between 1926 and 2019, there was a $47 trillion additional growth in wealth of shareholders in U.S. stocks, compared to the returns from U.S. Treasury bills. However, this growth in wealth has been disproportionately generated by a small number of companies. Of a sample of more than 25,000 companies, fewer than 100 have created half of this wealth. This data only tells us so much, though. In our conversation with Professor Bessenbinder, we've supported further research into understanding with what features of companies are represented in the long-term winners. The professor looked at 22 key fundamental metrics in his analysis and reviewed more than 26,000 10-year outcomes for US stocks going back to 1950. Of those 22 factors, only four stood out with significance. And those were strong cash accumulation, rapid asset growth, and in particular this is organic growth from increased output and product development rather than mergers and acquisitions, higher R&D spending, and finally, some evidence of larger drawdowns experienced for winners in the prior decade. This type of analysis of past performance can't help predict which firms will succeed in the future. Nevertheless, the research points out a clear correlation between possession of these measurable characteristics and long-term performance. By looking at firms' outcomes decade by decade, Professor Bessenbinder provides patterns of evidence suggesting that over long-term horizons, returns follow fundamentals. This means that the firms that perform best are those that quickly grow their assets and accumulate cash. And profits are a key element here. Whether it's a high-returning young company or a wealth-generating mature company, spending more on research and development is key to profitability. Investors should deploy capital into the growth companies likeliest to generate capital returns. The professor's analysis makes these companies easier to spot. Lesson two is to expect drawdowns. Long-term investors in top-performing companies must have the stomach for large peak-to-trough share price declines. Two examples highlighted in the paper were emblematic of this. Apple and Amazon. In the case of Apple, the company generated more than $1.6 trillion in shareholder wealth 
between 1981 and 2019. But during this time, the company has had its share of drawdowns and periods which would have been deeply uncomfortable for shareholders. Between May and August of 1983, for example, the shares in Apple fell more than 74% during the infighting that led to the ousting of Steve Jobs. Then, between 1992 and 1997, the shares fell 80% as the company faced stiff competition from PCs and the rise of Microsoft Windows. And, in the tech bust between 2000 and 2003, shares in Apple experienced a 79% drawdown. Equally, the example of Amazon highlights a company that created $865 billion in shareholder wealth between 1997 and 2019. But it too has had episodes of volatility and steep drawdowns, such as during the tech bust, when there were skepticisms following the post-tech bust relapse and the launch of Prime, and during the global financial crisis. These precipitous episodes can be deeply worrying and behaviorally fraught to navigate, both for companies and for shareholders. Bessenbinder's research shows that this pattern is often repeated across a range of the largest wealth-creating companies. It's not news that even top-returning companies are prone to severe drawdowns. However, Professor Bessenbinder's research reveals the severity and length of some of these periods of falling value. Investment managers must therefore tolerate occasional volatility in pursuit of big long-term gains. As share prices often reflect investors anticipating each other's next move, the share price of a listed company sometimes has a remote relationship with the business it represents. This suggests that investors shouldn't seek to just be different from the index, but to ignore it. The focus should instead be on the fundamental progress of a business. So, this brings us to the third lesson that we've taken from Hank Bessenbinder's work, being aware of the biases associated with long-term winners. Looking at the breakdown of sectors within the research and the propensity of winners to have come from different sectors historically is quite revealing. Just because tech stocks have been some of the strongest performers, it doesn't follow that companies in that category have an outsized chance of extreme performance. Professor Bessenbinder's research actually reveals the opposite to be true. It's easy to see how these shortcuts and mental shortcuts can be formed. Seven of the top 10 wealth-creating companies in the US between 1950 and 2019 are technology companies. However, technology companies are also underrepresented in the top 200 wealth-creating firms, whilst areas such as energy and communications have been more greatly represented. So, perceptions of industries can be misleading. Investors should beware the assumptions and mental shortcuts they use in describing top winners and what drives them. Industry definitions don't help, and they often oversimplify. Amazon, for example, is not just a tech company, but a tech-enabled retail company, amongst many other activities. What's needed is a careful study of individual firms and their competitors. The best approach is to build relations with founders and managers to help assess their chances of success. In concluding, it's fantastic to share these learnings with you. In the quest for winners, focus on growth, expect drawdowns, and beware your biases. Our work with Professor Bessenbinder continues, and there's much more that we're excited to learn and to explore here at Bailey Gifford. Huge thanks to Hank Bessenbinder for his fantastic research and our interactions. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to the Meb Faber Show for the invitation to contribute to the podcast. Have a great day. 